Well, good morning, Community of Grace. Good to be with you this morning. It is the second week of Advent, and we are an Advent people. Now, what do I mean when I say that? Well, Advent literally translates in the Latin to He comes. He comes. Now, there's an obvious question that should be asked when we say that this time of year, and that's this. If Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, hasn't he already come? I mean, really, why do we have this time of anticipation now? I mean, Jesus has already been born. He's already come. What's the deal with Advent? It's a fair question. And here's the answer. There are three aspects to Advent that we as followers of Jesus embrace. Jesus has come. Jesus is coming. And Jesus will come again. Jesus has come. It's a historical fact, friends. It's not just myth. It's not legend. It is real and true. Jesus was born into time and history and place. It's real, and we embrace that as followers of Jesus. We know that. He came and was born some 2,000 years ago. We don't know exactly when. We don't know exactly what time of the year it was. We celebrate his birth this time of the year, but we're not certain that he was born in the fall or in the winter or in the spring. But really, that's not the point. The point is he was born. And he lived, and he died, and he rose from the dead. That is all history, and that is part of Advent, is that he has come. The long-awaited Savior, the Messiah, anticipated and prophesied for in the Old Testament. So Jesus has come, but Jesus is also coming. You see, Jesus is still being born into the hearts of people who come to faith in him today. There are folks who are listening this morning, hopefully to this message, but also to many other messages being proclaimed in the, of the good news of Jesus all around the world. And as that message is being proclaimed, there are people who are coming to faith. Faith is being born in their hearts today. That's what God promises through his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as the word of God is proclaimed out into the world, people come to faith. They come to believe. And when they do, Christ is born in their hearts. And they are born again. So he is coming. Jesus is coming today and now. And Jesus will come again. Jesus will return at any moment to right every wrong, to heal every hurt, and to establish his everlasting kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is also a fact, something that we long for and look towards as his people. Jesus will return. He came into this world, was born into this world, and as he came, he said to his people, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That was the inauguration of his kingdom, but his kingdom will be consummated and completed when he returns again to set everything right. And it is a part of the prayer that we pray every Sunday as a church in the Lord's Prayer. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is a plea to God. God, we know you will send your son again. Jesus, come quickly. And it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now. It doesn't matter. He is coming. He will come again. So those are the three aspects of Advent that make us an Advent people. Jesus has come. Jesus is coming. And Jesus will come again. Now, last Sunday, we lit the candle of hope. The hope and the promise that is prophesied in the Old Testament of Jesus coming. And we spoke of that hope, and I gave you a a simple acronym. Now, I called it an anagram last week, and that's not what it is. It's an acronym. All these fancy words. Acronym, H-O-P-E. And if you remember, good. If you don't, I'll remind you. H-O-P-E, hope. H means to hear God's promises in his word. We are reminded of God's promises in his word. That's where we go to find hope and to build our hope. We are building up our capacity for hope in this season, especially in a time when hope seems to be so fleeting. And we turn to God's word as the first place that we look for that hope. And then, oh, we open up to the Holy Spirit The work of hope in our hearts isn't something that we just whip up ourselves. It's not just positive thinking. It's a real spiritual encounter with Jesus. That comes to us through the Holy Spirit of God. So we must open ourselves up to his Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us anew. Fill us afresh with your power and with your presence. And then P, we pray with perseverance. We don't give up praying. We don't pray just for a moment. We pray trusting that God hears us and that in relationship with him, we continue to ask and be in relationship with him, persevering in prayer. And finally, E, we expect a miracle. We serve a God of miracles. Sometimes we expect too much of ourselves and not enough of God who is the miracle worker. So we build our hope through God's word, through being open to the Holy Spirit, through prayer, and through an expectation that God is going to do a miracle. That was last week as we talked about hope. Today, we move on to the second candle of Advent, which you have already heard is the candle of peace. And I'll give you another question to ponder today as we talk about peace, and it's this. What does it mean to experience peace on earth? Think about that as we talk today. What does it mean to experience peace on earth? Now, I think it's important for us to start with an understanding of peace, the word peace and what it means. We have one word for it in English, peace. (laughs) But the word in Hebrew is translated shalom, and shalom has a rich, diverse meaning. It means harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. That is all being delivered in that one word, shalom. And it was a word of greeting in the Jewish culture. And also a word of departure in the Jewish culture, like aloha is in Hawaiian. It means hello and it means goodbye. But it's an extension of that blessing and of that wish to those who hear it that things would be well with them, that there would be harmony in their relationships, that that which is broken would be made whole and complete, that they would prosper in this life, that their welfare would be 
good and taken care of and that there would be tranquility in their lives. A rich, deep meaning that is expressed in peace. But we kind of simplify it in our version. We talk about peace mostly in our lives as just kind of the absence of conflict. We hope for some peace and quiet. Right? Any parent knows what this means. We call this peacekeeping. Right? Peacekeeping. You got kids in the back seat. You're driving for that long trip. They're getting edgy. They're getting agitated. And they start getting agitated with each other, right? We were blessed to have a van for most of the time that we were transporting our kids. But there was a season where there would be three of them packed into the back seat, one who had to sit on the hump. I was the youngest child in my family. You got the hump, right? But you were shoulder to shoulder, and they were shoulder to shoulder with each other, and they would get edgy, and they would get agitated, and they start to draw lines. You're on my side. Get out of my space. Stop touching me. And in those moments as a parent, you would calmly, quietly, peacefully <laughs> turn to them after stopping the car and say, I want some peace and quiet. And if I have to turn this car around, right? That's called peacekeeping. And we understand peacekeeping. And peacekeeping is important. Okay, peacekeeping is all about enforcing earthly power. Why did my children stop annoying one another? Because there was a threat. I will turn this car around. It's power. It's enforced from above. It's authority that enforces that peace. There will be peace or else. We see that in our world. When we talk about law and order, we're meaning an enforced kind of peace. A peace that comes from above, from authority figures. In NATO, and military alliance of many countries, there are groups known as peacekeepers. And those peacekeepers are sometimes deployed into nations that are at war or are on the brink of war. And they don't show up in those places carrying flowers. They come through a, through a show of military force. It's an enforced peace for peacekeeping. And it's necessary. It's not bad to have peacekeepers and peacekeeping. It's necessary to keep evil in check in this world. But it's a limited understanding of peace. It's not the same as the kind of peace that is extended to us through Jesus. See, that's not peacekeeping. That's peacemaking. And peacemaking is something altogether different. Peacemaking is about experiencing a heavenly presence. That's what peacemaking is. Jesus declares in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus embodies this kind of peace. And he speaks about it in a number of different places. As a matter of fact, he was sent as an ambassador of peace. In the Christmas story we hear in Luke 2, verses 13 through 14, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace 
to men on whom his favor rests. He said that on a dark night to a group of shepherds. These shepherds weren't at war with each other. This was a heavenly peace being expressed by the angel and a promise of peace being sent to them. That peace in the person of Jesus. Jesus who embodies that peace as the prince of peace. He comes as a prince of peace. And when he arrives, he wants to share that peace with those who are around him. And it's something he says over and over again. And he does it not only to people, but to things. He speaks to the storm as the storm rages and his disciples are frightened and says, Peace, be still. That's a heavenly peace. A peace that breaks into our natural world and our natural order and our broken humanity. And then as Jesus is preparing to depart, he leaves peace with his followers. John 14, 27 and John 16, 33 share this. Let me just share it with you this morning, these words of Jesus. As he speaks to his disciples, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus leaves us with his peace. As he prepares to depart and knows that his presence physically will no longer be with his disciples, he gives the promise of the Holy Spirit and leaves peace with his disciples. A heavenly peace. It's not like the world's peace. It's not like the kind of peace that we even talk about when we get kind of mystical, okay? It's not some kind of mystical peace that we conjure up by repeating some mantra over and over again. Or by separating ourselves and going off into solitude or into a monastery somewhere and and separating ourselves away from the pain and warfare that's happening in the world. That's not heavenly peace. That's distraction. Or sometimes it's just happy self-talk. But it's not the peace that Jesus offers us. Inner peace isn't something you find by going into yourself. We have peace inside of us because Christ has come from outside of us. From outside in the heavenly realms, breaking into this realm. And then coming into our hearts through faith. It's a heavenly peace. It surpasses understanding. And it is something we all long for. And the peace that Jesus is speaking of requires entering into the warfare with his heavenly peace. This isn't some kind of weak peace. Just because it's not a peace that comes in power from above doesn't mean that it's weak. It is a bold peace. It's a peace that comes alongside the broken, that comes alongside those who are divided and at war with one another and speaks a supernatural word of peace and is present by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit with one another. It's unlike any other peace. 
It breaks into the world and confronts things in a way that only Jesus can. So what does this kind of peace look like? What does it mean to experience peace on earth? Well, 106 years ago, the world was at war in a very real way. The Great War, the war to end all wars, which later came to be known as World War I because there was a World War II. Armies were face to face all across Europe in trenches, and the stench of death was everywhere. As the darkness and the cold of winter began to fall on them, something happened. Something happened that defies imagination. And it looked something like this. Jenkins, I'm clean. No. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, schön, um, schön.
Schwachs. Frohe Weihnachten. Peace broke out. Peace broke in. What you saw in this dramatized video actually happened, and much more. It didn't occur in just one place. It occurred in dozens of places all along the front lines. And in addition to breakout games of soccer, exchanging of gifts, singing of carols. They also went out and gathered their dead who had fallen on the field of battle. And they buried them. And in some cases, they buried them together in joint services. seems impossible. But just like the angel spoke to a young virgin named Mary, with God, all things are possible. It's still happening around us. The same spirit, the same prince of peace who was promised to us 2,000 years ago is born in us today and still speaks that word of peace into our hearts and invites us to be ambassadors of that peace into the world. Because being a peacemaker starts with Jesus' presence in you. The presence of Jesus who comes to not only bring peace within mankind, but peace between God and man. A peace that settles the score. A peace that ends the conflict. A peace that promises forgiveness, hope, eternity. That's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's God with us in Jesus. Let's pray that that peace would be with us now. Heavenly Father, you sent your son Jesus 2,000 years ago into this world proclaiming peace. You spoke it as the angels cried out and you spoke it through your son Jesus to the world and then you left it as a gift behind to sustain us this day. Father, we can see all the brokenness around us. We can see the discord. We can see the pain. We can see the poverty, Lord. 
Lord, help us to believe and trust in your promises. Help us to receive peace, not just in our minds, Lord, but a peace in our hearts that comes to us through your Holy Spirit. Father, I cry out and pray to you today that that peace would fall upon your people in this room, in their rooms at home, wherever it is that they are gathered today as your people, Lord, let your peace fall upon them. Oh, come, Prince of Peace. In this moment, Lord, would you hear the cries of your people? Would you hear, Lord, in each person's heart and mind here today, their cry for peace, the places that are broken, the relationships that are filled with discord. Speak peace, Lord. Meet each person in their place of need, offering hope and peace through you, Jesus. Prince of Peace. Amen.